Hey guys, welcome to the On Call Empath. I'm your host, Raj Montage. Today I have a guest that you do not want to miss. Her name is Amy Fiedler. She is a certified trauma support specialist, uh, holistic life coach, Reiki master, and a publisher, uh, three-time publisher, author. Also, she basically helps, you know, with coping skills and ending your cycle of fuckery, which is actually a trademark, which is pretty cool. How you doing, Amy? I'm doing well. Thanks for that little intro there. I was like, wow, somebody's hyping me up. All uh, right. Hell yeah. You're listening to the On Call Empath Show. You've got a lot of good stuff going on and you know, with the retrogrades, everything is kind of feeling weird this month. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm not feeling it this month for some reason. I hope some good things will happen. Yeah, ho- hopefully. I-, I know there's some moon things happening and it's affecting people's sleep and energy and all that stuff. But, you know, we, we have that yearly. So exactly. And uh, especially all you guys, empaths and highly sensitive people that are out there. This is definitely an episode you want to tune into. I know that you guys have been asking about boundaries and you know how to say no, and a lot of us are people pleasers and everything that's going on in the world. Amy is the expert, so I'm just going to dive right in. Amy, can you tell us a little bit about what you do and then how you help uh, your clients and a little background about yourself? Sure, of course. So the individuals that I work with normally come to me from um, codependent, people-pleasing backgrounds. They normally have childhood trauma or trauma of any kind, like abuse, things like that. They've had adverse childhood experiences is the best way for me to put it. They're now adults, you know, anywhere from like 25 into their late 30s, early 40s. And they're struggling. They're struggling in their relationships. They're struggling with their relationship to themselves. They feel like they're taken advantage of. They feel really drained. They feel used and abused and all of that. So they come to me really looking for improvement in a specific area, whether it's with their marriage or helping one of their children or a friendship. And we tend to end up really looking at the full picture and helping them understand themselves, process that trauma and acquire healthier coping tools mentally, emotionally, and physically. So they can communicate better and set boundaries and really, you know, have healthier relationships and a healthier life overall. Wow. You're one package under one roof. That's, I love that. Um, Especially with the trauma victims this is something that you know we look for uh, everywhere just to kind of get help. Um, abusive household growing up, you know, in a place, especially personally, uh, what you're teaching and everything that's I'm looking on on Instagram. You have one of the best Instagram, um, you know, sites that I've come across because I do look at it for personal use just to kind of, you know, help me out on a daily basis, but. One thing that I did notice that you do cover and you seem to be very good at uh, is boundaries. So I want to touch on that really quick. Can, yeah. can you explain 
how a bound well first what a boundary is and how to set them but also how to implement it especially coming from somebody who's been abused and when i say abused like it could be uh, family abuse rape um, you know something happened ptsd where they can't really speak for themselves they don't have a voice and that's most of the listeners um, some of the listeners that are tuning in today so they probably want to know how to go about setting healthy boundaries and and it seems like you are an expert in that in that area. Sure. Well, first, thank you. I yeah. mean, that means so much that you find my Instagram so helpful, just personally, but also professionally. I put a lot of time and, and energy into it. So that, that I'm always grateful to hear that it's, it's benefiting individuals out there. Um, to your question about boundaries. So boundaries, you know, they're for us. But commonly people confuse them because they think that they're implementing them to kind of control their people. So boundaries are, there's two parts to this. You want personal boundaries, which are boundaries that you hold just with yourself individually, and they can be mental, emotional, and physical. They're, they're basically promises to yourself, commitments to yourself in terms of you know, I know how it feels when I get up and I work out every morning. I know that it benefits me mentally and emotionally for the rest of the day. So I'm going to honor and respect myself by adhering to that commitment and following through on right. it. Right. So that's a personal boundary example for you. But then boundaries that a lot of people really get stuck in are the ones with other individuals in their life. And again, the confusion lies in. I'm trying to control this person because I don't like how they're treating me and I don't like how they're making me feel. But the thing is, is that boundaries don't control other people. They just set up the parameters for you in your life, for you to feel respected, seen, heard, supported, and loved. What that means is if I don't like how you're speaking to me, Raj, then, and we need to interact regularly. I'm going to communicate on behalf of myself and say, I would really appreciate it if, you know, you would speak to me in a kinder tone or whatever. And now you have free will, but I have to uphold my boundary. If I say I don't like your tone with me or I don't like the words you use or whatever it is, whatever the context may be, then I have to live by that standard as well, which means, and this is where everybody kind of falls off. <laughs> holding that boundary that will respect me. So that means if you speak to me that way again, I have to not engage in that conversation. Right. And this is where everybody has that confusion because they think if I if I'm clear on it and I tell somebody don't treat me this way, don't talk to me this way, whatever, then they're going to do that. And if they don't do it, I must be doing something wrong or they're just a narcissist or they're just, you know, that's not the case. It's part your responsibility to uphold them for yourself. Right. And one thing I just wanted to kind of bring up, especially with this topic, um, mm -hmm. a lot of the people um, that have been through trauma do have a, you know, issue like gauging it and when, to you know bring out these boundaries because let's say it's 
you're in a work environment and you have an asshole boss or you live yeah. with a family member who is constantly, um, you know, just constantly overstepping your boundaries. And if you if you try to press back because that's all, you know, and all your life, people have been kind of, you know, and I and I know I've heard like we we basically teach people how to treat us. And 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 that's I've you know, I've heard from some people say that, but with trauma victims, they they seem to have a little bit of problems with, you know, just asserting themselves. If they do, you know, set boundaries and you're in a position where you can be uh, punished for it, let's say you can possibly lose your job or lose your housing or you have a roommate or a landlord who's he's, who's not listening to you. At that point, when, when is it? time because I know for me I get to a point where I just blow up I just take off I quit the job I leave the person I don't even tell them why I just walk out that's not healthy either and I know that so in your I guess from your standpoint what can you kind of suggest for somebody who is all black and white thinking where they're like okay I did the boundaries they're not listening they keep kicking me but maybe if I get angry and I start like getting really you know aggressive they'll they'll take me seriously and that's where a lot of people get into trouble yeah that's definitely where a lot of people get into trouble and and as somebody who struggled with trauma in in my own life and was i i had no example of boundaries growing up i didn't even know it was a thing like i, I didn't know that word existed and when we when we would try when i would try to stand up for myself in certain situations as a kid I would get backlash, I would get punishment, right. I would get criticism. So I completely understand that fear. Um, what happens with people who, who struggle with trauma is m- most likely you have low self-esteem and self-worth. And by no means is that your fault. It's just a product of your environment and the upbringing and the conditioning that you endured. So it's going to always be a struggle for you to be able to speak up for yourself if you don't even feel deserving of what you say to yourself that you're wanting, right? And that was me for a long time. So for me to to say to anybody, well, you just have to know your worth and speak up would be me misguiding you because you can't just jump from point A to point B. You can't just go from feeling unworthy to feeling worthy of being treated with respect when you've never had an example of it. So when to backtrack, when you said, you know, they say we teach people how to treat us. Well, the way I would start with a trauma victim is helping them really start to regulate their system, their nervous system, their emotional state by changing how they think and treat themselves. Because once you start to create a new norm for you mentally and emotionally, then your eyes open to what's around you and you can start to gauge differently what's appropriate and inappropriate behavior. Once we move through that, then to be able to stand up for yourself or communicate becomes a very obvious thing. So often what I'll do with clients is when we're at that point where they're capable of recognizing, okay, I deserve something better. 
I have them make a list and your listeners can do this for themselves. I have them make a list of the things that they value in that specific area of their life, whether it's the marriage or the friendship or the work environment. What are what are all the things that you value about it? And what are all the things you don't value about it? And the goal here is that if you can then make those lists and really get clarity around what you want and what you don't want, then knowing when, like gauging when to speak up for yourself and knowing that threshold of when I've held it in too long and when I really need to step forward and communicate something, that's going to be way more obvious. It's going to be a natural way for you to operate once you have something tangible to lean on. The problem with trauma victims is their exposure has only been negative. Right. So when you only have that negative reinforcement and that negative example, like I said, I never had an example of boundaries. So how does one go from never seeing a boundary set mm. to really having a clear idea of how to communicate and set them? Again, you can't jump from point A to point B. You, you baby step there. And you baby step there when you don't have access to anyone healthy in your life. You baby step there from the inside out. Right. And that's a very good point, and that kind of leads me from, okay, so we, if somebody's never even experienced something, you know, how are they even going to implement it? And that's, that's where I think your work is so important, especially for those that are listening out there, the empaths, the highly sensitive people. There has to be a starting point where you have to start at least making small little micro efforts, maybe just you know, trying it out on somebody saying no uh -huh. and, and just kind of doing it and keeping track. And then once you do it more and more, it does get easy. I know that I've been, you know, working at it on myself, but I think I wanted to um, ask you also about a, a bit, you know, just a lot of the people feel fear um, abandonment issues where, um, you know, if they say no, or if they set boundaries in their head, in their mind, in their, you know, their whole psyche, they feel that if they're not ple people pleasing, if they're not uh, getting this person's uh, approval, um, there's like physical things that they deal with, like anxiety and then paranoia and, you know, e even like sweating and shaking and all that good stuff. But that where does all that, I mean, that all comes with the territory, right? I mean, with yeah. abandonment issues, like, what would you say would be like the best way to kind of deal with that? Because that seems like the root cause. If we can get that under control, then we can start implementing this, these boundaries. Truly the root cause is the low self-worth and self-esteem and the effect that you being abandoned growing up or having an abandonment has a full, full range, Raj. Like it goes from, <laughs> You know, it goes from a, like a parent physically leaving, right, to somebody just withholding their love and attention from you. Right. So there's like this, this spectrum, right, that you can be on with abandonment. I personally struggled with abandonment issues. The way I experienced them during childhood was I would get the silent treatment. Uh... I would have love and attention be withheld as a form of punishment for my lack of obedience. 
And this is where, you know, and I have to say this, I think, just in good conscience because of the nature of my work, a lot of people that come from a more psychological, psychiatric education, they're trained. And I talk a lot about this on my Instagram because it's really important. Medical-minded individuals are educated and trained to look at trauma in a pathogenic way, which is a disease-centric way. And that works for some things. But unfortunately for trauma, you cannot approach and heal trauma with a black and white mindset. There's context because the environment is what impacted that, that then created a biological response, which is very human and very natural in every person that suffers from trauma. So the the trauma victims that really struggle with codependency and people pleasing and abandonment and all of these things, it takes time and it takes patience. But more than not, it takes mindfulness, which is why I do put so much time and effort into my Instagram, because it's learning those subtle shifts. It's learning to be aware of your emotional state that really helps you heal from that, those deep-rooted, painful experiences growing up. And, and I just want to touch on that. Like, uh, obviously, if anyone's listening, you know, if you're having problems, like, you know, definitely see a doctor or a therapist, you know, yeah. this is just for entertainment purposes. But it in in my experience, like, you know, going to some of the best healing that I went through was through, you know, um, other people that have gone through trauma. They have been like the people that have actually opened up my awakening and just kind of put things into perspective. Now, not that's not to say that therapists and, and doctors don't have their place. They do, you know, as far as pharmaceuticals and all that. But I decided to go more holistic route, you know, exercising, diet, meditation, journaling, all that versus the other. Because I tried both sides. For me, that's what that that's what goes with my body. And 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 obviously what you do and what you preach. I mean, I was looking in your Instagram um, and every post is just I can resonate with. And it's just like, wow, where where are you getting this information? And it only comes from somebody that either either has gone through hell themselves and they can speak about that subject yeah. at that point than rather reading from a book. But that's just my my uh, uh, experience. That's my, that's also my experience. I always tell individuals, listen, there's no right or wrong way to heal. And for some people going and, and regulating their emotions through medication and conventional therapy is the right route for them. And there is absolutely no shame in that that works for so many people. For me, I didn't have a good experience that route. And I took a more holistic route and it and it greatly benefited me to take that path. Um, looking at things holistically or salutogenically has you looking at all aspects that come into that physical and emotional and mental pain. It has you looking at your relationships. It has you looking at the environments that you're not just currently in, but the ones that you were raised in. And these are things, there are plenty, so many doctors and, and therapists and such out there that will take those things into account. It is rare because it does go against their education and um, 
a lot of them do get continuing education elsewhere and they, you know, they combine it, but that that's true. You know, everybody has their own way. And I, and I strongly believe for me that having a relational component to the work really benefits individuals, you know, knowing that they've been there and they, they've been through it and they're on the other side of it, but they're also qualified and certified and educated mm-hmm. to provide information and support you that benefited me greatly absolutely absolutely so i know that you mentioned um you know the silent treatment and all that stuff and i wanted to touch on this because this seems to be coming up especially with the hsps um that reach out to me um they i know there's different forms of trauma and there's physical like where somebody's like actually physically you know beating you up or, you know, doing something. But I feel, and tell me if I'm wrong, that if somebody neglects you by giving you the silent treatment or ghosting or neglecting you or just, like, treating you like garbage, that could be just as much um, psychological trauma and it could affect you, you know, also the same way as as a physical. Um, What is your take on that? Yes. No, you're absolutely correct. There's... There's overt abuse and covert abuse. Um, I have a specific post on this on my Instagram page, and it, it speaks to those different types of abuse where things such as the silent treatment and, you know, emotional neglect, um, punishment, like verbal punishment, not just physical abuse and physical, that would be that would be over. The covert stuff is just as challenging because a lot of it is unseen. And a lot of individuals who have experienced that type of abuse or trauma growing up, they question themselves because they're in situations where, you know, the adults might have been emotionally unstable or emotionally immature. And they were their reactions were heightened and they took them out on the children. So you basically had children raising children in those environments. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever gotten into an argument, Raj, with like a five-year-old, but, <laughs> you know, you try to get on their level and it doesn't, you know, no, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. You're, you know, it doesn't really go very well. So when you have that, and that's so many, that's so many, like that's like 95% of my clients grew up with, adults who were emotionally immature and insecure. Therefore, what that means is they lacked coping mechanisms. And if you use the big popular words here, you might put narcissist on that, you know, and you might say that they gaslighted you and you might say they deflected a lot of things and all of that. But I try to simplify it, make it really easy for people. At the end of the day, they didn't grow up in environments either that provided them coping tools. And yes, at a certain point in their life, it's their responsibility to learn those things and then not take it out on someone else. Unfortunately, a lot of us grew up in environments where that wasn't the case. That doesn't always make those other people bad or evil or malicious. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're just unaware and unwilling to learn. you know, they're, they're equally as bad. The experiences that you have mentally and emotionally when it's, when it's not a physical abuse, when you can't physically see a bruise on your body, but it's you questioning you and you doubting you, 
that's just as traumatizing. Yeah, I've, I've had people on the show where somebody said something verbally when they were growing up, like with their body image and weight. They still, like 25 years later, uh, feel like it, it happened yesterday. And everything they do in their life, like they try, you know, to look a certain way and act a certain based on that you know, 10 minute conversation they had like 25 years ago with a, you know, with a loved one. And it, that's, that's one thing that, especially with empaths and highly sensitive people, we, uh, we hold on to the past. And, and that's what I want to ask you for the next question is why do we keep replaying the past and how do we get over that? Because it just keeps replaying over and over. And then we think about what somebody said from, years ago and it just it you know I don't know if I know you do Reiki and you know that kind of stuff what would you say would be a good arsenal um to kind of to kind of get that uh get over that well I'm a huge proponent of creating a space or as many as possible in your life where you feel safe enough to be seen and heard and validated and that what that looks like is a daily practice of meditation. The, the benefit of meditating, I mean, there's so many, but in this realm, the benefit is you're creating a space within yourself. So it's you and you, right? And you're not reacting to your own trauma and pain. You're just breathing and letting it be seen and heard. And what that does is if you picture emotions, good, bad, or ugly, in your body as like little balls of energy, and you create that space every morning or every night where you sit in silence for five minutes or 20 minutes or a few hours, whatever, and you let those rise to the surface and release themselves from you, now they're no longer cycling or recycling is a better word in your body. And therefore, you're not replaying the same story over and over and over because your emotions just want to be seen and heard. So when I deal with individuals who would call themselves highly sensitive people or empaths, what I usually, and I'll be as bold to say this, the majority of individuals who, who resonate with those terms grew up in environments where there was codependency and people Absolutely. Pleasing. And the reason that you are highly sensitive is because you had to be. To survive, yeah. You didn't have a choice. You had to read the room. You guys are expert. I'm an expert. We're experts at reading the room. We had to to survive. So when you don't want to shame the, the sensitivity that comes with that gift, because it truly is a gift. The goal is to learn how to balance it so that when you're around other people or you're just with yourself, you're not taking on things that don't belong to you and you're not reacting to old things that are still inside of you. That is very profound. I hope you guys are all taking notes because this is something I wish <laughs> I could, you know, I wish I would have met you like 10 years ago and then I could have saved, saved myself a lot of headache because I know that I personally like obviously i i came from a uh, very strict background you know my 
my own father was very strict and, you know, he had a lot of expectations. So I was that people pleaser. I always wanted to do exactly what he wanted me to. But the other side of it is when I got into the workforce, I continued that behavior trying to please my employers. And I got to a point where I was going through so many employers because I didn't know how to deal with it. I would start and then I would quit. Like after a few months, I would start and I'd quit. And it felt like you were never good enough, probably. Right. But the thing is, I was I was doing very well at every position. Uh-huh. But they always wonder, like, what happened to that guy? How come he just took off? Like, he just left without, you know. And it it's because I didn't, I didn't even communicate with you know, the narcissist boss, or maybe they said something to me over time, I got to a point instead of blowing up, like, like I would do exactly what I was, you know, when I was growing up, what I would do is I would go to my room and and I would just, or I would just get in my car and just get off, go, go far away. So that's exactly that pattern. And it took me a couple years to figure all this out and, you know, seek out, you know, okay, there is a healthy way to deal with this. And now I'm on a track where, okay, now I I think I got it. You know, I, I can ask myself questions and things like that. So I wanted to ask you, um, you know, just to kind of throw a curveball out of all the, (laughs) out of all the, um, I mean, I know you see a lot of clients. What would you say is the top three major, um, major challenges that you see among all of your clients, like the, the three top ones that uh, you, you can kind of share with us um, that you see? Um, the three top ones would be low self-esteem, which basically encompasses like there's, they, they don't feel like they're worth anything. They don't look at themselves in a positive light and they're really dependent on other people to kind of validate them and build them up. Um, The second one would be they have no boundaries. And the third one would be extremely unhealthy communication, like ghosting or, you know, high reactivity in in a situation where maybe the other individual is emotionally um, aroused, like they're heightened and you don't know how to regulate your emotions. So you react to, and then it creates a, a war verbally or physically. Um, so, you know, the context is different for each client, but those are the top three issues that I'm usually dealing with. And obviously they all are rooted in childhood trauma and adverse childhood experiences, toxic, toxic stress environments and such things like that. Very interesting. Cause yeah, I mean, even if somebody, you know, um, I mean, they go through a childhood trauma and then they go in and get it into adulthood. It, it doesn't matter the age. It, it still needs to be dealt with no matter what. And there's a lot of people that are dealing with that, especially, you know, the, the empaths and highly sensitive people. The uh, one last thing I wanted to ask you is, um, especially all the empaths that are listening out there, I know you guys are very interested in this next question. We tend to attract manipulators, narcissists uh, into our lives. And yeah. even with all the help that we go through and, you know, we get therapy and stuff, why is it that that is our weakness? Why do we keep going to this this toxic person 
um, that keeps keep you know keeps us at bay and it's so hard to to kind of uh, get away from them because I've, I've talked to a lot of the listeners and some of them are trapped in dead-end marriages and they're scared to leave their narcissist spouse or husband or or their you know bosses or why is it so hard to just do cold turkey and just be like screw you I had enough I'm done because they don't they they can think you can think I deserve more you can experience something that's unhealthy and go and, and ask yourself, why do I deserve this? I, I don't deserve this. I deserve better. But knowing that you deserve better is a different different feeling than thinking. Knowing and thinking are, are way different. And the only way you know is it's embodied in you, right? And you've accepted that you're better and you deserve more for yourself. So to answer your specific question, why do they attract them or why are they trapped in those relationships? There is a payoff. You're not going to like that answer, but the payoff is that there's an unhealed relationship mm. from childhood yep. that you're still, for lack of a better way to say this, addicted to that dynamic because it's familiar to you. And what I always tell people is, that, you know, they, there's always these quotes online that say, you know, go, go to the places that feel like home to you. Well, if home was not healthy, if home was scary, if home was abusive, if home was yelling and screaming, if home was unsafe and inconsistent, guess what you're going to wow. lean into? So until you have enough experiences where you can start to know, mm-hmm. right? And re-regulate your nervous system to only want to go into those environments that feel safer and more loving. And I'll tell you, it took me a very long time because when I was in the presence of healthy people, after only being in the presence of unhealthy people for so long, I made up stories in my head, paranoid, Mm. thinking, you're going to leave me too, so I'm going to test you and I'm going to poke at you. And it takes a special person and they are, they're there, they exist. And a lot of times that's why people end up to me because I become that person for them to set the healthy example. You just need one. You just need one in your life that sets the healthy example that you lean into. And that's why I'm strong encourager of finding professional support. If, if you're capable financially or, you know, finding a, a, a reputable Instagram account, right? Where you can interact with someone and have a positive imprint left in you. Because then that is what you're going to start to lean into more. I hope you guys are all listening to this because this is very profound for me, especially personally, because, you know, it makes sense. You know, that's why I, for me, I would keep seeking out those employers that would have chaos. There were high boiler room type places I was at a gym for a couple of years. It was all like arrogant narcissist for years. And, you know, and that was where I thrived. That's where I felt most comfortable. That's where you know how to function because that's, that's the behavior that you've yes. only known. And 
these people that were like on you know that were I would have to answer to had traits of these uh, people that I grew up with. So it was very natural for me to to kind of stay there, but I was miserable. And if I left, I would feel like trauma bonded where I would feel uncomfortable if I wasn't being told what to do and, and this and that. But it, like you said, it takes time to sit back, relax and look from a third party through journaling and meditation. I figured out that that isn't who I am. That's I want. I don't want to be in that type of toxic environment and it's not good for my health, too. So that was one of the biggest things, especially in 2020 with this pandemic and everything. I had a lot of time to kind of sit back and, you know, just write things down. And and I think in one of your posts um, I, or you were you were talking about just kind of, um, you know, just taking an inventory on what's important to you as a person, because a lot of times with empaths and highly sensitive people, we don't know even what we want. We don't know how to even ask. We don't know what the question yeah. is. So how are we going to fix the problem? So well, you weren't allowed to. And, and I wasn't allowed to either. I wasn't allowed to want. I was only allowed to need. So to to want something better, well, the, I would confuse those two words for a long time and think to myself, but do I, do I need it or can I deal with this? I can deal with anything. Right. So I, stay in abusive relationships and I would stay in environments that were not making me feel good because I can, I can deal with it. I don't, I don't know what wanting more or allowing myself to have more felt like for a long time. Right. Yeah. There's really great mindfulness, um, kind of like exercise on my Instagram. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and it, it walks you through what you can just, pay attention to like small, subtle shifts in your day where you can pay attention and kind of take inventory of how you feel and what you think and how you're reacting and responding to certain things. Because truly the path to healing here or anywhere, emotionally, to specifically speaking to your mental and emotional state is to get to know yourself and decide what really aligns with you and doesn't. And that's why I encourage them to start with that activity of of making lists of their values, because that's your tangible, that's what you lean on. And and when you have abandonment issues, this is going to be a game changer for you because people will come and go, but your values are what's going to stick with your person. So, you know, if, if things are not matching with those values that are a constant in your life, you don't want them there anyway. Right. I mean, you know, why would you want to be with somebody that's not going to, you know, they say that we are five people, five friends of, you know, we turn into the people that are around us. So, um, and I really, truly believe that. So if we're around five people that are abusive or, you know, just have no goals in life, we start to mimic that. And so definitely the people that are around us are in our environment. Um, plays a role, at least in my life. So I try to make sure that whoever I'm speaking to or have around me have the same mindset and goals and, um, and you know, positive, you know, so. But Amy, you've been a wealth of knowledge. You're very good at what you do. I've come across a lot of people on this show. And, you know, I'll be honest, like your Instagram and just the things that you are saying, it really resonates with me personally. Because this is what the show is about. It's, you know, it's about helping and healing and trying to get our lives back and making sense of everything. So with that said, I'm going to give you the last word. And if you can just tell 
one thing, like something that you want to share with any of the trauma victims, empaths, highly sensitive people that are listening, I'm going to let you just kind of say whatever you'd like, just the last valuable content that you'd like to share. Of course. Thank you so much, by yeah. the way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> always, I, I don't lack humility. I, <laughs> I definitely... no, I'm, I'm serious. Like it's, it, I, I, I really, truly like I, I'm like getting so much off your Instagram. I'm just like, I wish I could have had this like 10 years ago because like I said, I did the therapy route, but that, that is only like so much. It could take you so much. It was helpful, but I need ongoing, you know, constant reinforcement. And I get that from your posts and your stories and your lives. So just keep doing what you're doing. I, I really commend you for what you do. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, so to you and to your listeners, what I, what I do want to say is don't shame yourself don't feel bad about what you're struggling with or how you're struggling with it or how long you've been struggling with it. What you need to recognize is that your trauma is real and it, and your reactions and your responses, your anxiety, your panic attacks, all these things, they're natural human responses. There's physiological changes that occur in your body when you experience trauma. And, you know, the best example I can leave you with is, is, you know, you go into a, a forest and you encounter a bear, <laughs> you want your fight or flight to kick in because there's a bear there. But <laughs> if you went home every night and the bear was there, well, now your fight or flight is on all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's what a lot of you are experiencing now and then wondering, am I wrong? Am I crazy? Why do I keep attracting these people? The goal in healing this, especially in my route, holistically, is from the inside out. And you start with re-regulating the system, calming it. So, you know, I'll leave you with a little homework. Start infusing your day with more calming activities and less adrenaline-inducing activities because your system's already on overload, especially if you're super reactive in situations and you've got a lot of emotions inside and you're popping off and, and going off on people. It's because you're holding a lot in. And the other thing is do that exercise earlier with the, with the values and get really clear on them and get more specific each time. Sit down and get more clear. Like, what does honesty really look like for you? What does it sound like for you? What does an honest person embody for you? And the third thing is really incorporate healthy activities, uh, their, their coping tools into your day, like journaling or meditation, creating a space in your life to be seen and heard with you or a professional is really, really valuable in working through trauma and, and really regulating your system so you're in a more balanced state and you can attract healthier relationships and individuals in your life. And obviously, I'm here. You can follow me on Instagram at Amy the Life Coach. Um, I have an online resource center called The Inner Genius. You can access it right from the link in my Instagram, and it's full of step-by-step -step guidance and video classes on all of these topics and more, um, or you can work with me one-on-one -on -one if, if you need that additional personalized support. 
Well, you guys heard it here. Definitely contact Amy. Um, you have a lot of great information. Um, and thank you so much for being on this podcast. And hopefully you'll come back in the future. You're always welcome. You have a wealth of knowledge. We just try to cut, you know, get as much as we could in this episode. But you, you definitely have a lot to offer. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. And I would love to come back. Excellent. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you got something out of this. In the meantime, if you're going to hop on over to the Apple iTunes, it helps me bring in more people like Amy to keep going and bring you great content. Uh, in the meantime, uh, stay tuned for the next episode, and we are out. You're listening to the On Call Impact.